0: Is life turn with me to psalm 127 if you would please and we're going to use this as our kind of jumping off place here psalm 127 is right after psalm 126 okay unless unless the lord builds the house its laborers labor in vain I hear the rustling of the pages. So 127 verse 1 again says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to to those he loves. I think the King James says, for he grants to his beloved even in his sleep. I like that. Verse 3 says this, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Let's pray. Father, we commit these next few minutes to you as we read your word, as we talk about your word, as we interact with one another as we ask questions and give comments on different things we invite you holy spirit to lead and guide us so that we as husbands and fathers will be able to lead in the similitude of your spirit and all God's people said amen Man, I tell you what I can read that chapter again this is one of the passages after coming to Christ that I literally memorized as it relates to my life. I wasn't even married then. I didn't get married. Uh, I came on staff here in the mid-90s, but I met my wife here in 90, March 7, 1991 at 6.30 p.m. And we got married, moved away, went to seminary, came back here, and voila, got a job on staff. But the issue here, as, and I want to talk to you guys as husbands and fathers, being the spiritual leader of your home, I do probably thousands of hours of counseling, I have done since I've been on staff here, and one of the constants that I've been surprised and a little disappointed at is the like of spiritual leadership from the man to his family. Now, why is that? And here's some things that I've found as I've talked with guys over the years. You go out there and you meet that mule and work. 25 hours a day you get home the wife been home reading the word listening to tbn cbn and all those other ends and she is full of revelation and she wants to know from you what is god saying you're thinking i'm i'm still trying to figure out what happened at work today so there's nothing wrong with work but the issue is this that Our family needs spiritual leadership from us much more than it needs the material things that we can provide. Now, those things are important. It's good to have a roof over your head, especially in this climate and all like that. But the reality of it is, as you learn to set aside some time with God and allow him to speak into you, which gives you the the capacity to speak into your family members, That will endear you to them, and that will give them more of the capacity to live life than anything you could do as a multi-millionaire type person. About, well, a while back, I was talking to a man, very wealthy man. Kids are going crazy, and he just didn't get it. So finally, out of frustration, I just looked at him, and I said, look, your kids would rather live with you in a shack and be happy than in that multi-million dollar house you got them in and they are miserable because you're out basically making God, making money your God. Now I have nothing against making money, but what I'm saying is the spiritual leadership aspect of who you are as a husband and father is far more important than you will ever. It's, the, it's far more important than anything else you will ever do, because years from now, and this this talks about it here in this heritage, that heritage will be revealed in what you taught your family and what you, basically, what the person you are, who you are to, to them, is far more important. Uh, I, have a, I won't embarrass him by calling his name. But a young man here, I just did his, his premarital counseling, and attended his wedding and all that, and I love doing things like that. If there's one thing that anyone can get from my premarital counseling is that the husband is to be the spiritual leader, first being led by the Holy Spirit and then leading his family in love as God would have him do. to do, to do that. The military guys understand it real well because they understand the chain of command and all like that. But quite frankly, even those guys get so caught up in their career and flying airplanes and making it up the chain and etching out the squares of being an officer and all like that. If they do that, quite often it ends up hurting their families because the stuff has become their God instead of God using them to minister to their families. My, I have my... Uh, one of the most wonderful young men in my life uh here today and i jokingly say i've known him all his life uh my 16 year old son matt stand up and wave at the folks matt bless him have a seat buddy and matt was was joking with me just before i came up here i said which breakout session are you going to he looked at me and says i'm your first congregation (laughs) And that is so important. Guys, your family is your first congregation. And you say, well, you know, I don't feel like I'm a preacher, man. Or I don't feel like... But you might not be, but you're called to lead your family. The Bible says this about Abraham. It said he commanded his family well. That doesn't mean that he was, you know, stuttered. How I many of you have seen the movie The Great Santini? It's probably about... You've got to be over 50 years old almost to, to say you've seen That movie... <laughs> Interesting movie. Santini was a was an F four fighter pilot, and I, I, one of my most interesting scenes from that movie was every morning he would stand out. his Marine Corps, I think, a major uh, or lieutenant colonel. He'd stand at attention. He had the whole family lined up at attention. Even the fun part was even the dog was standing at attention. <laughs> you know, dogs could do that. And I was thinking, is that the kind of leadership we want? No. We want leadership that is motivated by the love of God. And that comes from, number one, having a real relationship with God. I didn't get married till I was 41. I jokingly say I was late getting to the dance. Uh, I was in the military, and I tell you, the military was, was, was rough in those days on marriages. We had to do deployments to, um, a lot of guys might remember, not remember this place, Vietnam, places like that. And I remember when I got to my first flying squadron, I was an enlisted guy flying 141s uh, out of Norton. The month before I got there, they had had 29 and a half divorces. And the reason I say 29 and a half is because one couple just traded spouses. Okay? Don't get a divorce you. I'll take, you know. And I thought, my goodness, this, this military is rough on marriages. Well, life is rough on marriages. Why? Because the enemy sees a marriage every time he can destroy a marriage he can, he, it's like destroying a picture of Christ and the church and so he's out to get them so how do you make your marriage last and be a spiritual leader that can show a picture of Christ in the church and still not be weird I mean you don't show up every morning with a robe on saying yay family let's read the word of, of God no you, you, know, you don't get weird But you've got to be who you are and let Christ live his life through you. One of the things that concerns me is that I'm talking with people. I'm leading more people to the Lord in my office than I am down at the altar on Sunday morning. Why? Because I've got people that come into my office that think they need counseling. And what they need is the counselor. Or who they need is the counselor. In our society, and I want to use this as a definition as we get into spiritual leadership here. In our society many people have made a mental ascent to the principles of christianity or a philosophical ascent to the principles of christianity rather than realizing that christianity is having the indwelling presence of christ walking his life through us Do, do you understand what i'm saying i i've i've seen a lot of philosophical christians and here's how i find out that they're philosophical christians i will say could you tell me your testimony and then they will tell me how they went to church from when they were little kids, how their mama raised them in Sunday school, how all this. But I never hear of a punctiliar moment where they connected with Christ. And right then I go, Oh boy, how many of you ever heard of the Romans Road? Okay, a few of you may have. I, I have worn that road out, you know, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is. And I end up talking to people, and they say, Wow. I've never heard that before. What, like I asked one guy the other, "What's the gospel?" He said, "Oh yes, yeah, the whole Bible." I said, "Well, what about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus?" He said, well, "What's that?" And I got to share with him and pray with him to receive Christ. What I'm seeing, though, is that this leadership thing just is not happening without a relationship with Christ. You, you, you can't you can't lead someone where you've never been. And so, as husbands and as fathers. Good gracious it's 11 o'clock i gotta rush through this stuff okay as husbands and fathers we've got to first be connected with christ and know that we know that we know who we are in him okay after we're connected with christ then we must know his word i like what pastor brady was talking about this morning and i, I was back there kind of hiding and ducking because i'm a big fan of the one-year bible and uh I read the Bible other times You too, but uh, for the last seven years, I've taken my wife and my family, we go through it every year. Now, we read the Bible and study the Bible at other times, but I like reading it because each year, I, I, mark, I mark it up, I have to buy a new Bible about every two or three years. But what I'm seeing is this, from the Word of God, we find the will of God. And his will for you is not that any should perish, but that it all should come to repentance. His will for you is that you should love your wife as Christ loved the church. His will for us also is that we raise godly offspring. I had a friend of mine years ago, he's, he's deceased now, he had twins and I'd been trying to witness to him and he just didn't want to hear it. So his thing to me was, I don't want to talk to my kids about the Bible, I want them when they get old enough to make their own minds up. that's not a good way I believe that the Bible is the most important book and the truth of God that I've ever read and I believe it changes lives for all eternity as a result of that I'm not willing to he get to he got to be 18 for him to figure it out so I prayed with him to receive Christ when he was I think four or five because I believe that once he understood the gospel that he could have as good a relationship with God as I do or anybody else okay so I want now get into my notes (laughs) i have already covered most of this stuff so basically what I've said here is that it starts at salvation now as Christians one of the biggest issues I I do a lot of weddings too and I've had cases where I had a young lady she was a PhD candidate and you know the part about wife submit to your husband that we read during the uh, ceremony she didn't want that and I said why well she said I've got I'm getting a PhD and this guy that she was marrying had barely finished kindergarten and um, her point though was that because she was intellectually smarter than him I should not be submitting to him made for quite a counseling session but the reality of it is this for men that beat their wives up with this whole verse that says woman submit There's another verse before that that says submit to one another. As Christians, we submit to one another that the woman you married is also your sister in Christ. As her role as a wife, she submits to you. And that is not a word that is to be used as someone who grovels and, and, you know, is so subservient. It's the position that God has put you in. Well, since that person is to submit to you, you're to somehow furnish some type of leadership that helps them to walk in their relationship with Christ. I met my wife here, I think I was telling you, well, we were over at Garden of the Gods. We moved here the next year. And it dawned on me, she was not raised in a Christian home. Her her dad was, and still is, professor of philosophy at a place called the University of the South. Some of you may have heard of that. It's down in the Tennessee area. But the issue was, as we got married, and we read the Word of God, and I can remember the first time we read through the Bible, the look on her face was, I have never in my life seen anything like this before. And as a result of that, my ability to be the leader in my home was set in position because the leadership, this is your leadership manual, guys. I know a lot of you are reading Covey's stuff and all that other stuff you know it's eight different habits of 15 great people and all that but this is our manual as we read this it teaches us how to love our wives as we read that it teaches us how to put our affairs in proper order and then when children come along as uh we 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 began having having children i remember we got married here april 4th uh what is now the theater we got it used to be the main auditorium we went home and we got on our knees and we prayed we said Lord if you give us children we pray that they will be mighty men of God when these guys started coming along we we read the Bible to them as they got old enough they read with us now they're reading along the same as we're doing in fact he has surpassed me theologically in some areas of Scripture and one day, as my eyes maybe might get weaker, he'll be reading to me. So you, do you see the circle there? As you teach your kids the Word of God, as you as you lead them in the study of the Word of God, it becomes a part of what is in them. And a, a good example right now, I was going to mention this later, but I'll mention it now. I'm running low on time, is that matt told me his first conscious memory of me was me teaching him how to prayer walk at the world prayer center now at his school he is in the process he's written a proposal to start teaching prayer to other members of his class why not because so much of what i did but he saw what was important in my life he has his own prayer life i can find him at seven o'clock every night on his knees reading and studying the bible that's aside from our one-year bible thing But the issue is, it has come to a point that he understands it for himself. I want to posit to you four aspects of faith for those of you that have children. Uh, the, The behavioral scientist Westerhoff came up with this years ago. There are four aspects of faith for children. The first aspect is experienced faith. That's where you pick them up, you take them to the little nursery where they read little Bible stories to them and all like that. So you're experiencing your faith on them. Got it? The second aspect of faith as you lead your family is affiliative faith. That's where he got in the third, fourth, and fifth grade and started talking to his buddies about my dad believes this, our church believes that. He, Matt attends, this is a charismatic church, but he attends a Baptist school. So there's some interesting parallels there of, you know, <laughs> you know, Waverly, we you know. <laughs> When I preach there, I, I, I jokingly say, Hey, look, don't worry about it. I'm not going to preach on tongues, so don't get nervous. So that's the affiliative. That's where, you know, during the break, he talks to his buddies about, you know, my dad prays in tongues and, you know, let's keep it quiet so the pastors won't hear it. No, that kind of thing. The third aspect of faith that you're going to deal with when leading your family, experience affiliative searching. S-E-A-R-C-H-I-N-G. And that searching, that's what makes parents nervous. That's when they start saying, well, dad, how can... People say the Bible is true when, you know, this verse says this and that. I mean, Dad, my buddy, uh, who is a Mormon, believes so-and-so and -and -and so-and-so. I mean, you know, they believe that, you know, Jesus came to America and left the tablets at Palmyra, New York, and all that. What do you think about that? You know, should we be one of the, the Jehovah's Witnesses come by knocking on the door? Could we talk to you? No, you can't talk to me. I don't say that. But, you know, Dad, we need to listen to all points of view. And I'm thinking... Oh boy this is getting crazy and then the fourth aspect the fourth type of faith as you raise your children and this is this one's gonna make you happy and that is a faith that becomes owned in other words they don't believe it because daddy told them they don't believe it because the guy down at the local Christian school told them they believe it because they have wrestled with God and they have made it real for themselves do you see what I'm saying so experienced affiliative searching and owned so those are the four phases of faith that you will go through as you teach your family as you lead your family and I'm saying telling you these four so you can be aware of them and not freak out when the kids are getting to the point where they're asking questions that you thought you'd dealt with years ago you can go <laughs> now I've done a lot of talking, too much talking. I want to hear hear from you. How many of you guys, in terms of spiritual leadership, understand what I'm saying about first being led by the Spirit yourself, Pastor Brady really hammered that one, and then having the attitude that you don't leave it all, you don't just go to work and have nothing left when you come home so that you can't spend time with your family. I know a lot of families believe in having devotions and all this kind of stuff, and that's okay. You don't have to do it like that You need to do it in a way That your family enjoys it And understands it And your kids don't hate you Whenever they see you Walking through the house With the Bible Like right now my son My other son has I bought him an eye touch For Christmas He has the Bible on This thing that they read to him I mean you don't, you don't have to well, You should read it But he goes to bed Listening to the word But I still encourage him to read Okay Let's talk Bob, do you hear what I'm saying? Well, you've known me for all these years, so you've got to hear me. So. Okay? How, how many of you, tell me a little bit about what kind of leadership or training program you have with your families. Do you read the word to your kids, or do they read it to you, or what? You don't, you don't have kids, you have horses? Well, the Bible says preach the word to every creature. So, No.
1: In my house, every night we try and read the um, the Bible with the with the kids before we go to bed. I have a six-year-old, three-year-old is kind of doing his own thing, but it's really um, been beneficial beneficial for the uh, six-year-old. Like you said, owning it at six, he's already he's already have owned it his his faith and um, praise. I mean, the, the, uh, just doing this, I didn't realize what kind of effect it would have on a child because I didn't have that growing up. But I see my six-year-old praying for his teacher and, his, and his, uh, the students in his class, and he's praying for the, the, for the uh, men and women in Afghanistan and Iraq. I mean, it's like I want to start recording his prayers because it's just, it's out of control. I mean, you, I can't even, I didn't, in my opinion, I didn't teach him how to do that. I just taught him to be obedient and to, uh, to pray to God and want to know God.
0: Did you hear what he said? He taught him to be obedient and to pray to God and want to know God. One of the issues I had in my house, my dad didn't make it past the third grade. And he had this, for lack of, any, of another term, inferiority complex that since he couldn't read that well, he, he couldn't read the Bible to us. So he ended up taking us to church to hear the word of God. And the issue, though, is that guy in church, we didn't know him. He wasn't living in our house every night. And and I grew up. I didn't come to Christ until I was in my late twenties, because I got I felt like church was. I didn't like church because there was a bunch of rules, and I wasn't able to obey the rules. I'll give you an example. I didn't go to a movie till I was I think 17 or 18 years old, because our church believed that it's a sin to go to movies. And my aunt told me, "What if Jesus comes back while you're in the movie?" And I remember thinking, "Boy, I'd love to finish the movie," <laughs> but um, <laughs> but but the issue though is that I found out after I came to Christ that it's not a bunch of rules, but it's having Christ live in me and walking his life out through me. Okay, You've got grown kids. Talk to me about it.
1: I'll say just a little bit here. Uh, I'm a teacher. Uh, Richard Harms is my name. And I don't think I taught my children as well, um, or that I don't think they learned as much from my teaching as what they did from just catching what went on in the family. I think they learned more from observing us and watching what we did than I actually was able to teach them. So I think a lot of times faith is a matter of catching the faith. And all of our children accepted Christ when they were very young, five, six years old. So it's it's not what's taught
0: as much as what is caught? Okay, this whole leadership thing, how are you gonna deal, how many of you have teenagers? Okay. How are you going to deal with it when they come home and say, "Well, uh, well, he's not here, so I can talk about him." Uh, so, sorry. Yeah, I got those. Oh yeah, before you guys leave, you got to sign these. Okay. A little girl in my class, in in this particular young teenager, is fourteen years old. The girls want me to hug them. Now, I'm embarrassed to say this. When I was 14, I was looking for people like that. But uh, as a father, I'm not that excited about that anymore. <laughs> Close your ears, Brett. <laughs> how, 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 here's the deal. You have, you have, they have caught the way you live. You have, they, they hear the word of God in your house. How does all that mesh with them making decisions on issues like that? I'll give you an example, a good example that kind of dovetails with this is, how many of you know what a filter is on a computer? You know, those filters they have, you can't get garbage on it and all like that. But well, I tell my boys this, we can put a filter on the computer, but they're smarter than I am on computers, and they probably know how to put it on and take it off. But this is what I want to be the filter. As that old preacher said back home, it's an inside job. <laughs> and that is the point, guys, as we... Teach them, And as we are a picture I was going to use this big word But a guy told me he didn't understand it It had more than two syllables it's, it's called ontological In other words, it's being The science of being What you are speaks much louder Than what you say And as a result of that uh, I can tell my boys Look guys You're the filter You know what we stand for what the Word of God says and what I do you need to determine from that whether or not you're gonna allow any garbage to come through on this computer because I can't be with you 24-7 I'm not there all the time you're smarter than I am he's writing what's that X H He's doing X H M T whatever that is you know writing Websites and stuff like that and I can't even spell websites but the issue <laughs> is that I have to trust at some point that he hears from God that he obeys God as a result of the leadership that he has seen exhibited and as a result of the leadership principles that he has heard and read in his own Bible okay next question now you've got adult kids that are preacher creatures and all that we talked about this while we had lunch uh, a, a couple days ago how did they get to the point of you understand the experience affiliative searching how were they when they got the owned was were all of them the same age or what talk to me a little bit about and go through each of your kids okay my name is
2: gary, my name is gary. Um, we have four kids they're all adults and we have five grandchildren, one and another one on the way. Um, <clears throat> all of our kids at an early age, like yours, uh, four or five years old, uh, received the Lord. And uh, I really uh, relate to what uh, your name was, Richard. Uh, it was more about who you were and, and, your, and how you were. Uh, and I think that all of our kids learned by the habits that we had, and they inherited those habits, uh, the good habits, and also some of the bad ones, you know, at the same time. But, uh, but they went through the process of searching, but we, uh, we decided very early on that we were going to pr- place a priority on one, that uh, we spend a lot of time together, uh... and that was a difficult thing for me because i have my own business and uh... but i uh, i can talk about my son who uh, is now a, a worship pastor down in alabama and uh... my decision to be with him uh... when he became uh... he wanted to join the boy scouts and uh... the boy scouts was i thought a great thing And it was something that I was in, but I never had the abilities uh, to be, uh, you know, outdoorsman and all that kind of stuff like so many of the other fathers. So I made a decision that if I was only to go with him and to be there and set up the chairs and be there when he was the senior patrol leader and to put away the chairs afterwards... Uh, that my being there and supporting him and and then being available to him all the time uh, was the best thing I could do. and so as a result of it, he um, not only was it his ability to be become a leader, but but also it was our our times that we spent together going to and from and being at those kinds of events and being and just really, taking the things that... We used to have a thing we called uh, Wisdom Search. Wisdom Search. And we would get up fairly early in the morning, probably some similar to what you do, and we would read uh, some scriptures together. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't complicated. But the kids loved to get up and just hang out and, and hold, sit around and, and hear Bible stories. And, uh, but all of our kids have... Uh, had the point and it happened mostly in their later teen years uh, where they finally got to the point of really owning it and went through exactly
0: this four-step process you see that's the whole point the bible talks about learning from others and that's what i wanted this this whole forum to be to be about you've already heard the, the 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 preaching but i wanted to get ideas from different ones of you how that has actually worked. One of the things that I'm doing right now, I've got a, one of the other pastors here in church, his name is Mike Stetzo. He's raised five kids and they're doing great things. And I go to him to help me because he's, his kids have already gone through the teen years. And as a result of that, I, I came to a conclusion years ago in terms of giving to our family. I want to give you four points that, and, and we're going to discuss these real quick, what you... As a husband, things that you should provide for your family, and this this is in a spiritual context of leadership. And I, I look at leadership as as uh, a sense of living your life that encourages others to follow Jesus. So it dovetails of what these guys are seeing. So these are four things that you should provide for your family. And I'll just sit, rattle them off real quick, and then we'll discuss them. They are vision, provision, protection, and direction. So as you're leading that family, that whole thing of vision, what is, what has God spoken to you about your family? Before, after these guys were born, the Lord spoke to my wife and I, there's a passage out of Isaiah that says this, your children will be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. So that's kind of our family verse. They will be taught of the Lord, they will learn the word of God and great shall be your children's peace. So that vision thing, and one person wants to define a vision as a supernatural appearance that conveys a revelation. Supernatural appearance that conveys a revelation. What is God's revelation for your family? You see, I believe that God has a ministry for every family just as he has a ministry for churches or every church. I believe the family is the is the is the basic building block of our society. Why do you think so many so many families are being attacked and destroyed? Right now, because if he can break down that building block and have the kids, the sheep scattered all over the place, the enemy has won. Because it's the lone sheep that gets sheared first. And I see, you ever see these animal planet deals where when these lions attack these 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 antelope herds, if they get one off by himself, they all converge and attack that one. Well. One of the reasons I have job security is I have some of those animals that have been attacked, or I shouldn't say animals, some of those people that have been attacked coming to my office wanting to know what happened. The worst case I've ever had was about uh, four years ago. Young man, wonderful young man. His family broke up, and he and his sister came to me, and we started going through a counseling process. Well, I was in my office one day, I get this phone call. He'd been stabbed downtown, murdered by a guy uh, next door. And I had to do the the funeral and all like that. But what happened was, when his family broke up, he was by himself. He didn't know what to do. As a result, he got mixed up with the wrong crowd. There was no leadership in his life. Well, good leadership. These gangs, gang problems that we hear about. You know what the problem with the the whole issue of gangs? They don't have a family, and the gang becomes their family. The problem is they're leading them in the wrong direction. But what I'm talking about here is leading in the right direction through the Word of God and through being an example of what it is to be a man of God. So let's look at vision, that whole thing of vision. What is God, and and, and if you haven't gotten this, pray that God would show this to you. What What vision has God given you for your family? God has shown me how he wants to work with Matt, how he wants to work with his brother Mark. And what my wife and I are to do in terms of helping them to get to that process now provision obviously you got to provide a place to live and food to eat and all like that because these guys have big appetites and uh, all that for your family but also there needs to be spiritual provisions pastor Brady talked about this morning the Word of God First of all, living the Word of God, being the incarnation of the Word of God. And secondly, taking the Word of God and reading it as you have the opportunity. Bible stories when they're young, at different phases in their lives. I mean, you don't want to go through an exegesis of the book of Leviticus to some kid that's three years old. By the same token, hopefully by the time they're 18, they understand David and Goliath and that situation. Okay, so the provision. Then protection. Boy, that is a a biggie right now With all the crazy stuff that's on the internet All the crazy stuff That's going on in in the world How are you going to protect your family And for those of you guys that have daughters When when this young man Was talking to me about girls wanting hugs What I heard was They're not getting hugs from their dad I had a uh, guy Come into my office uh, And he was upset about his daughter And all like that And I explained to him I said, if you don't hug her Somebody else is going to hug her, and it ain't going to be the person you want to. And I could see the light come on in his eyes because he had to understand that there is a healthy way to show affection to your daughter in a way that she will not want unhealthy affection from some other hairy-legged walking target. But um, the issue, guys, is that you've got to protect your family. I am up 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning walking through these guys' rooms, praying over them and praying over my family. Matt in his room has a... I think Focus on the Family put it out years ago. It's a picture of a little boy. He's he's sleeping. He's got his little teddy bear. His dad is on his knees next to the bed praying. And out the window you see this big angel. And the angel is holding his arms out like this. And he's keeping like a demon from coming in through the window. Someone gave that to us when our boys were young. And I was thinking in my baptist days i would have said that can't be true but i tell you what the enemy is out to steal kill and destroy and you must have a prayer life that protects and puts a canopy over your family now i wanted to share something else that some of you might find a little bit controversial but i believe we should do it my wife works for um, vitamin cottage which is right across from whole foods She doesn't even know it, but I go into that store and I walk up and down those aisles praying in the Spirit over her sometimes a couple times a week. I pray that, that, that she, that, because she's under somebody else's authority there, under the authority of her bosses. And I'm walking through there praying up and down the aisles. And then I'll, sometimes I'll happen to see her and, you know, hey, how you doing? You, want, you, know, you here to buy something? No, I just wanted to come and pray over you. Pray for your wives. Pray for them. Let them know that they're covered in a canopy of prayer. But one of the things that my wife tells me that she delights in more than any other thing in terms of of spiritual leadership is that when she gets up in the morning, I'm up around six or so with these boys reading the word with them and praying with them. She said that gives her more delight as a wife than, than anything else. Because she understands that, that, that verse that God gave us when, when we had kids, that they will be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. The Word of God brings peace. So in your leadership, that protection thing, prayer protection over your family, letting your wife know that you're praying for her. I had a situation where my wife had an appointment uh, several years ago. And while she was gone, I, was, I, was, I, I felt led by the Spirit to really dig in, in prayer for her. And she came back, and, and a couple days later I explained to her that at that particular time I was, I was led to pray for her. She didn't tell me what happened, but she looked at me and went, I sure appreciate it because I really needed prayer at that time. Okay? And the next thing, the fourth area, and then we've got to get out of here a little bit, is Direction. Direction is, look, we are going to do this. We're this family, and we're going to go to this place, we're going to do this thing, and this is what God is leading us to do. And that comes from you spending time with God, asking for his leadership through, via the Holy Spirit so that you can say to your family, I think this is what we need to do in this particular issue. And I'll give you an example of that. It happened to me when I was probably seven years old. I was raised in a little town in North Carolina. We were corn tobacco and soybean farmers and it snows there about once every five or 10 years. One day we were downtown and my dad, uh, we have, back there we raised tobacco. How many of you know what a warehouse is, a tobacco warehouse? Yeah, okay. Have you ever seen one? They have these big shelters that come out over the street. The trucks back into them, and they load the tobacco and take them to the factories or wherever they need to take them. So it has snowed in North Carolina, so we had a fifty-four Mercury with those suicide doors. You know, the door both doors open towards the center, and so um, we, Dad drove up, and he got out of the car. We were so small that we could stand up in the car, and our heads wouldn't touch the top. And so my dad walks about halfway across the street. He stops. He comes back, and he says to my brother and myself, get out of the car, I want you to go with me. And we were parked under this warehouse with the shelter coming out. And we were angry, we didn't, but we didn't argue with him because the look on his eyes was, you better not give me a rough time about this. We got out of the car, walked about 20 feet, and all of a sudden we heard this gigantic crash. Snow had accumulated on the top of the shelter and came right down onto the top of our car and crashed it in about two or three feet. Direction. The Holy Spirit speaks to you as husbands and as fathers and you need to let your kids know when I say this, this is what I want you to do. I'm not trying to be a killjoy but I'm sensing that you need to do this. If we'd have argued with him or if he'd have been a namby-pamby leader, he'd well, I don't know, maybe you can stay in the car. And we walked on across the street and paid our auto insurance.
1: <laughs>
0: we really did. That's why he was a time day. <laughs> in fact, the insurance guy was watching it happen. <laughs> so, do you understand this whole thing of leadership? Number one. Your relationship with God, you're being led by God. You're to lead in love. But you're to lead definitely in ways that help your family. Not just lead, but live in a way that shows them a picture of Christ and causes them to want to walk with him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for these mighty men of God. I bless them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead and guide us into all truth. Help us in loving and kind ways to show that and to live that to members of our family in a way that they will fall in love with you and that this whole process will be repeated to their family members. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yeah, I was t- telling my boys, when I pray for them, I pray that, that, that in our family line, there always be people that love God, read his word, and obey his word until the return of Jesus. That is my prayer, and that's part of the vision that God's given me. Okay, guys, thanks for coming in here. I kept you a couple minutes over, but if you've got to go, go. If you don't, hang around. Let's talk a little bit.